You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. I'm your host today, Kev. You can follow me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. With me today is my co-host, Rich. You can follow him on Twitter at FFMiz1. Rich, how are you tonight? All right, Kev. How are you? Decent, yeah. I've just had my hair cut just before lockdown, so um, yeah, feeling a little bit lighter. Do you know, I've, um, shaved, I've shaved my head on that note. Like, I meant to do grade two, but I've got a new razor and I used the wrong one. So I've gone down to grade one. So I'm really glad that I can't leave the house for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> and we also with us tonight is our other co-host, Matt, who you can follow on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. Matt, have you had an haircut? I have not, so I'm going to have a mop head for the rest of the year. <laughs> it looks like a Matalan model anyway. Oh, give really? over. Give over. <laughs> Yeah, if you've not checked out Matt's uh, Twitter profile, please, <laughs> please do. Um, I, I'm, I'm currently trying to work as his agent, so uh, <laughs> more than welcome to take any commission on his uh, modelling contracts. Okay, Have you ever done any uh, any photo shoots, Matt? No, <laughs> of course I've not. <laughs> I think you should. I think you look lovely in your picture. Ah, oh, thank you. So do you, Rick. <laughs> I don't even know what my picture is, actually. <laughs> Okay, so on today's show, we'll be looking back at the games from week eight and we'll be discussing the players that stood out to us in each contest. Um, so to kick us off, we'll start on Thursday night football. The Falcons won, it, won on the road against the Panthers, 25-17. Um, there was a slight concern with the injury to Calvin Ridley. I know Rich was pretty pretty worried about that, but um, he, he got over it in the end. Um, but I believe it's uh, the guy in the Panthers team you want to highlight. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not that worried about Ridley. He's like a cyborg, so I think they've said there's a chance he could play. But I think if he doesn't, he'll probably come back after the bye. But yeah, um, to be honest, th- th- there wasn't anything major out of this game other than the. I thought Curtis Samuel was outstanding. To be fair, uh, he obviously scored two touchdowns by early in the second quarter of the game. He also played on 88 percent of the offensive snaps used as a runner and a receiver. Um, nice. Finished the game with three rushing attempts for 23 yards and a touchdown, four receptions for 31 yards and another touchdown. It was actually expected that his um, his workload would increase this week because the Panthers had released Seth Roberts earlier in the week and that gave ah. him a boost. But to be honest, I've never really been bought in on Curtis Samuel as anything more than a gadget player who might have boom weeks and and to be honest even though he looked really impressive on Thursday nothing's changed my mind and the reason for that is that I think we're expecting Christian McCaffrey to come back this week and I also yeah. don't think that the the greatest waiver ad ever 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 in history Mike <laughs> Davis will just be pushed out the offense as well and there's some there seems to be some rumblings that they may try and play Mike Davis and Christian McCaffrey together so that once again knocks Curtis Samuel back down the pecking order. So I, I do think I was really impressed with Curtis Samuel on Thursday night, but I'm fading the noise, to be honest. I think it was a great spot week performance, but I, I don't think it's sustainable. And he's not a guy that I'd be looking to to pick up on the waiver wire or, or trade for this week, to be totally honest, with, with McCaffrey due back. Yeah, it was a bit of a shock. I mean, if, if you started Curtis Samuel, you've either 
a genius or you've uh, not got much depth on your team and you've got plenty of bye weeks. I, I started think. in Kev. Very nice. <laughs> 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 proves my point, doesn't it, really? <laughs> um, I think with Samuel, he's quite an interesting um, player, actually, in Dynasty. He's in the final year of his rookie deal. Um, I know there's been a lot of noise previously that he's not going to really hit his potential until he leaves Carolina, especially with the emergence of Robbie Anderson. Mm. Um, so I guess from, from that point of view, is, is it something that maybe you can look to look to maybe pick up later on in the year at a cheaper price before he moves? Or do you think he'll end up staying? Yeah, I think if if he does end up moving, then I would be waiting to pick him up, I think, because his schedule does turn a lot from, from this point onwards. His schedule does get a lot tougher. So I think if you're looking to get that value, I think there's a chance that his value could dip going on towards the end of the season. As you say, if he does move on, then we've got this chance of him and reaching that potential that we know he has. He's a second round pick, don't forget. So so he is highly regarded. Um, yeah, I think I'd be waiting if I were going to pick him up. But as Rich said, it is, is he has been a bit of a letdown when, when I was one of them guys that was quite high on him last season, you know, when it was yeah. the whole yeah. Jay Marvis, uh, Samuel talk. I was... I was one of them idiots that was on the Samuel side, so <laughs> so I do I do have that bit of a allegiance to him, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm waiting. I think if I'm going to pick him up, I think as well. Like we, one thing you could probably look at is the week thirteen bye. If you've got a a team that needs to win that week and they're needing that spot start, you could potentially get him on the cheap for maybe sort of a, a flex type play on your roster. So that, that's also something to watch out for if you looking to go after these guys, um, you can probably get them on the week on the week 13 buy at maybe a bit of a discount. So moving on to the next game, we've got the Steelers edging out the Ravens 28-24 and they now maintain their unbeaten start to the season at 7-0. and um, I think both Ravens running backs looked, looked, looked great, to be honest, against a tough defence, um, combining for over 200 yards, uh, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. Um, but the guy I want to talk about is uh, Lamar Jackson, um, another lacklustre performance from the QB1 of last season. Um, it did get a little bit unlucky. He had a 20-yard rushing touchdown call back on a penalty. and was also tackled at the one-yard line on another. Um, I mean, the thing that stood out for me was the, the turnovers. He had two interceptions and two lost fumbles, and he finished with a meagre 13.82 fantasy points on the day. It's his sixth straight game under 210 pass yards. Um, we know he's never going to be a, a volume passer, but how are you guys about his receiving weapons, fantasy value, long-term? And where do you rank Lamar in Dynasty with this obvious touchdown regression? Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to become really worried about his uh, receiving weapons as far as it goes with Jackson. Uh, obviously, we know he, he doesn't throw the ball a lot. He's actually only thrown the ball for over 200 yards once in all his time in the NFL out of the 30 games he's played. So, it's definitely a concern. As you say, he's not got that volume. He's, he's, he's averaging 16 pass attempts per game. So, you're never really going to get them um, in like PPR leagues. You're never really going to get one of them players that's, that's going to give you that floor with the receptions. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really starting to panic when it comes to, to the Ravens' uh, pass catchers. You tend to just be relying on the touchdown, so that's probably why Mark Andrews is quite a, a popular pick because we know that Jackson tends to target on uh, Andrews when it comes to the red zone. But yeah, it's going to be a long-term issue, I think, because 
we know how the Ravens have pretty much built this entire offense around Jackson. They're, they're playing to his strengths and, and using his rushing abilities as the focal point of the offense. So, yeah, long term, I'm, I'm worried about any uh, wide receiver or even Andrews when it comes to uh, to being tied with Jackson, yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, and you're, you're a big fan of Marquise Brown, aren't you, Rich? What are, you, what are your thoughts on him? I think he had something to say this week, didn't he, about Lamar's performance? Yeah, I... I am a big fan of him, but I'm I'm with Matt. I'm not necessarily worried about Lamar from a fantasy perspective because I think the rushing floor he gives you is absolutely enormous. I do think that um, Kyler Murray's closing the gap. I think Mahomes now is unquestionably the QB1 in Dynasty. I don't think the debate that raged all offseason is valid anymore. I think Mahomes has proven that. And I think you could, you could make an argument that Kyler's catching Lamar as well. Um, but in terms of his weapons, yeah, I love Hollywood Brown, but I am I am really worried. I agree with Matt. There's there's only so many fantasy relevant players you, you can support when you know, like Matt said, he's only thrown for 300 yards once in 30 games. It, it's a big concern, and I think we we talked on this show a few weeks ago. I still think Mark Andrews is potentially a buy low, uh, but anyone else in that offense is like basically an ancillary piece, and there's. You know, you might get boom weeks from from guys like Marquise Brown, but you can never put, as it stands at the minute, you can never put him in your lineup and be confident yeah. that, it, that he's going to return. Yeah. That, you know, he's going to return decent numbers for you. So, for his wet for in terms of Lamar himself, even I mean, who cares if he dropped to the QB three behind Kyler Murray? Really, he's still massively valuable. But it's more his weapons that are a concern. For me, though, it's. Where I do disagree is I'm not concerned long-term about Mark Andrews. I think he'll always be effective with Lamar. But anyone outside of that in the passing game does worry me. And that even I'd even stretch that out to guys like J.K. Dobbins as well, who looked phenomenal on Sunday. He was finally let go a little bit. But again, how many weapons can, can Lamar support as well? And he's always going to be there to vulture touchdowns away from the running back as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really concerned about the other fantasy options in that offense. Yeah, that, yeah I think with Matt and oh, go on, go on that sorry, way. Sorry, I was just going to say in terms of how I value Jackson in uh, in Dynasty, I think you, as you say, Mahomes is, is probably now the clear number one. But I think you could you could put Jackson in with as Rich says Murray, but I think you could also put Watson in with with them too as well. I think obviously he's, he's not been amazing this season, but he's he's very similar to. To those quarterbacks with his, his rushing ability, so mm. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if anybody put Watson in, in with them two either. I think he's the QB five as well. I think we we talked. I think it was just before the bye, but yeah. prior to the his bye week, he was like the QB five or something like that. And that's with you know weapons that were considered subpar in comparison to previous years, where he's had DeAndre Hopkins. He's barely yeah. missed a beat in fantasy terms, so. I think he's right up there as well. You are obviously forgetting King Dak there as well. He's still. <laughs> what about Russell Wilson as well? I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, can't just forget yeah. that one at best quarterbacks, can we? It's, uh, yeah, I think there's a, there's a there's definitely for me it's Mahomes clear, and then I think you could have four five guys in that that group after him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think anything from QB two to seven is pretty fluid, and mm-hmm, it's all. Yeah. I guess it's dependent on the owner themselves who who they actually. Uh, fancy rostering. Um, you can make an argument for any of those as QB2, I think, but you're absolutely right. Mahomes has took it to another level, and I still think there's more to come from Mahomes as well. So, um, firmly the QB1 in fantasy. 
Now, moving on to our next game, we've got a potential uh, future QB one in fantasy in this one. I'll let you work out which one it is. Um, so, the uh, LA Rams, the, the lost on the road at the Miami Dolphins, it was uh, 28-17, and the rookie QB, future Hall of Famer, Tua Tungavailo made his first NFL start and got the win. Um, wasn't pretty, but he is 1-0 as a starter, so that makes him better than Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Just kidding. Um Obviously, the Miami defense dominated with two touchdowns of it only. It led to the Rams playing from behind most of the game. Jared Goff threw the ball 61 times. Um, what stood out for you in this game, Matt? Yeah, I'm going to just highlight Cooper Cup in this one. He's, he come off an absolutely massive work there. He had 21 targets in this game. He turned that into 11 receptions for 110 yards. He's looking like being that top guy for Jared Goff now. He's had 72 targets this season. And there's, Robert Woods is the next guy up, and he's on 54. So it's it's clear that Cup's turning out to be that, that number one target for him. Uh, but he's currently sat as the wide receiver 17 in PPR. And I think that's mainly due to the fact he's only got two touchdowns this season through the first eight games. So I do find him quite an, an intriguing player. And uh, obviously we know how passive the, the Rams are, the, the fourth most pass attempts this season. And they had, they were I think they were in the top three last season as well. So... They definitely do throw the ball a lot. So I was just wondering what you guys thought, considering that high usage. Um, is he someone that you target in Dynasty, uh, especially in PPR leagues with that with that um, that volume that he's getting? But just as a caveat to that, it is worth noting that he's 27. I know he's he's only been in the league four seasons, but he is quite an old. He was quite an old rookie when he came in, so he's 27. It's not like he's a young guy. So yeah, I just wondered what your your thoughts were on Cup. Yeah, I've, I've never actually been a huge fan of Cup. Um, I mean, last year, that 10-touchdown season, it's probably an outlier, to be honest. Um, two touchdowns this season. He's, he's got five and six in his other other two seasons. Um, I think with Cooper Cup, it is price-dependent. I mean, there's um, I tried I tried acquiring Cup from someone on this podcast, not called Matt, <laughs> uh, earlier this off-season. <laughs> Um, and I was getting quoted a first plus. Um, I think I would probably pay um, a first for him, a late first, especially if we're contending. Um, I, I guess the flip side is when if you're paying a first for a, a guy in, in Dynasty, you kind of want more boom, or I definitely want a, a bit more boom. Um, I just feel like someone that you can get cheap, like a Jameson Crowder, gives you a similar a similar sort of style, said they're the same age, um, they're sort of um, reliant on volume to succeed um, and he's cheaper. So um, not a massive fan of Cup. I'd probably try and go for Crowder if I was looking for that sort of profile. Yeah, I think I'm with Kev. Uh, I don't really like Cup. It's, it's not that I don't like him. Uh, I think Kev's nailed it though with the, what do you, re- when you, when you, the price you'd have to pay for Cooper Cup, say you're paying a first round, which was a very reasonable price, by the way, first, which I did eventually get. <laughs> I don't get like from him, but I want a first for him. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know what it is. I can't, I can't even give you any like really great analysis on it. I just think he's more of a floor play. Yeah. And if you're a contender, like Kev said, you're having to give up a first for him. Crowder mm. can pretty much do the same job for you. The advent to argue the argument against that is that, that, that what we've said that you know that if is it the fourth. Uh, fourth heaviest passing team in the league at the minute. Yeah, the Rams yeah. are, yeah. So that gives him a really safe floor and you'd expect some positive touchdown regression as well. So 
I agree with Kev that it's probably price dependent. I'd rather mm-hmm. take a cheaper option like somebody like Crowder as well, because I think, like Kev says, he gives you pretty much the same as you're going to get from Cup, but in a, <laughs> in a worse offense, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not. I'm not completely there with Cooper Cup. What about you then, Matt? I mean, you've sort of sold it that way there. Is he is he someone that you're looking to acquire in the very few leagues that you're still in contention? <laughs> Cheeky get. Uh, yeah, I think I'm I've like you both said, I've never really been high on Cup. It's it's always been he's just a, a safe guy and he's as you say, he's a crowder like player. Is is he gets that volume so you know he's safe, but he never really has that boom. So yeah, I just I don't think I would be targeting. I think there's plenty more options out there that you could target, uh, that you could get for cheaper. As you say, Crowd is a, a great comparison for somebody that you can get that's probably cheaper than what Cup is. Mm. Like like you said, like he's a he's a volume receiver. Um, I mean, is is he a guy that you go after? Someone that needs 21 targets to get 22 fantasy points. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, is that what he got on Sunday? I don't even. Uh... That's yeah, yeah he didn't get no touchdowns or anything, did he? So. God, Matt, this was a terrible take. Uh, Imagine if he did. I never said he were good. I was just, I was just intrigued <laughs> what your opinion was. <laughs> so, yeah, he had 11 receptions for 110 yards. God, yeah, so he got 22, exactly 22 fantasy points, yeah. I mean, uh, if, if you funny. give Devontae Adams 21 targets, he's yeah. going to get about 200 points. Yeah, he's like the bungalow ceiling, isn't he? It's, it's a no for me, Matt. Sorry, you, you can keep him on all of your tanking teams. Yeah, I'm, I'm zero rosters. <laughs> <laughs> and speak, speaking of bungalow ceilings, we've got the uh, Jets game up next. Uh, the Jets uh, they went on the road to the Chiefs and predictably got beat, uh, thirty-five to nine. Um, the Jets somehow they attempted Mahomes to throw on them, and he duly obliged. Uh, what stood out in this game for you, Rich? So, I feel like Bill Murray, to be honest, in, in Groundhog Day, because we seem to have this conversation every few weeks, and then the guy disappears again. But I don't think we can ignore that uh, McCall Hardman really balled out on Sunday. Admittedly, it was against the by far the worst team in the NFL. But more than him just... Obviously, we always talk about Hardman being boom-bust on, you know, one or two targets a game and not really being involved, and then he'll come out of nowhere and score a touchdown and... You don't know when to trust him. He was actually second on the team in targets on Sunday, behind only Travis Kelsey, so he had nine. Mm. And he was behind only Kelsey in receptions as well with seven. He was second amongst Chiefs wide receivers in snaps played, so only behind Tyree Kill and well ahead of Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle, whereas uh, the previous few weeks, especially I think it was in the Bills game, he was playing behind them both. He was playing basically as the fifth option in the Chiefs offense. And he made the most of it as well, so he had seven receptions for 96 yards and a touchdown. Um, but the question for me is that uh, I ask myself is, is is this sustainable now or is it again just boom bust and this is what we've come to expect from McCall Hardman I lean towards the latter to be honest I mean it was only a week ago week seven he only saw two targets and against the Jets he actually almost he doubled his targets that he'd seen from week one to seven combined I think he'd seen I think he'd I can't remember oh no it was sorry I'm talking out I'm talking out my ass sorry I think it was he'd had 20 targets up to the end of week seven, but then he had half of that in one game on in week eight, not doubled it. That would be ridiculous. Uh, so, yeah, he obviously saw a hell of a lot more work in week eight than he'd seen over the rest of the, the season combined. And to be honest, I still wouldn't be willing to play him in redraft with any confidence. But I still think, and I've maintained this since the off-season, I do think he's someone that you want 
to stash wherever you can in Dynasty because I, I don't believe that Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins will be there next year. So for you boys, what is where are you on Nicole Hardman? In, I know Kev, you took him in like the third round of one, <laughs> but of it, and I know you get rightly gave up on him in redraft. Are you would you plug him in in redraft at all this year? And where, where are you on him in Dynasty as well? Yeah, I think for redraft, I'm I'm out on McCall Hardman. I just think he's <laughs> he's he's too boom bust. I, I made a, a big mistake taking him in round one of my redraft league, um, <laughs> but I, I just you never know when you're going to be able to play him. You've not yeah. not got a clue at all. Uh, I think dynasty wise, it depends on your price really, because at the moment I see him as Tyreek Hill's handcuff, uh, yeah. nothing more. Um, Obviously, Robinson and Watkins, they're out of contract at the end of the season. So that could be um, it could be the time to buy him before the end of the season. But I'd be more tempted to see sort of where your team's at. Like, if you're having to pay a second rounder for him um, and you're due to be a um, sort of the 201, 202, 203 type draft pick, I think you can probably get better from a rookie than taking a punt on a guy that, He's tied to Mahomes, but is that the reason you're going to take him? Are you going to just take him on situation? I think talent wins out in the end. So I'd take him for a third, but um, it, it really depends on sort of the the level of second rounder to be paying that sort of um, price for him. What about you, yeah, think, yeah, when it when it comes to dynasty, I think you, I've got no confidence in him this season either. It's Said obviously Watkins haven't played a lot. He's, I think, is he maybe potentially coming back for the next game? I know he's, yeah, he's not an IR, yeah. is he anymore? He's, he's, I don't think he's practiced, but so we, we know that Watkins could come back anytime. And as much as we all beat up on Watkins, he is still a thorn in the side to any other receiver outside of Hill and, and Travis Kelsey. So yeah, I think for the rest of the season, I'm, I've got no confidence. But as as you say, if Watkins and Robinson both leave at the end of the year, then we've then got that chance of seeing him being the, the third option in a Patrick Mahomes offense. So it, I think if if you can get him for a third, like Kev said, then yeah, I'm definitely definitely down for, for, for getting him for a third. Uh, but yeah, just going back to redraft, I got him in the listener league, didn't I? So <laughs> I can't really say much about him. Uh, <laughs> Terrible yeah, team, and, and I, were, I were desperate for a play this week. Did I start him? No. So I <laughs> went off on my bench, which was fantastic. So, yeah, he's just one of them guys when he, he just is crushing me on my teams where I do have him. So, how did you not manage to play him in that team? I, I, I must have chucked somebody, God knows who I threw in. I think I put, <laughs> I don't know, T. Wilds. I think I played T. Wilds over him. So, God, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a mess. Just yeah, the uh, we're not going to discuss the uh, listener league this week. We we got absolutely thrashed. Yeah, we, we can just never marriage. discuss it if you want. I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Yeah, don't know what you're <laughs> we set it up under a different podcast actually. So let's just pretend it never happened. Yeah, it's void. <laughs> okay, so we move on to our next game now. It was the uh, Vikings uh, stunning the Packers, winning in in Lambeau in this NFC North contest. Um, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams looked up for three touchdowns. Um, sickening if he was playing against the stack like I was. Um, but the real star of the game was Dalvin Cook. Um, whopping 48.6 fantasy points. Uh, 226 total yards, four touchdowns. 
Um, the highest weekly score by a running back this season. So um, I guess from my take on Cook, he, I've always loved the talent. I think he's also got superb usage as a free down back in that system. But my concern's always been his durability, that he always misses time every season. He's never had a 16-game season, and that, that's not something you want, especially his missed time towards the back end of a season a few times when you want to be winning your, your fantasy championships. Um, so I just w- want to hear your thoughts on Cook, if you think he is a top five dynasty running back and which side of the coin you'd be on buying or selling at his current cost. Uh, I would certainly be trying to buy him now. But the the issue is, you're likely, if you have Dalvin Cook, on, if, if someone has Dalvin Cook on the team, you'd expect that they're in contention. Because I think he's been yeah. great this year. Obviously, he missed two games, but other than that, he's been outstanding. So it's going to be really hard to acquire him. If I had the opportunity to buy Dalvin Cook, I absolutely would buy him, yeah. I mean, the, the, it's hard in Dynasty because I, I talked about this on Twitter last week, um, that a running back's value can just fall off a cliff, just like you know, just like that. And then yeah. you, you're sort yeah. of holding them and there's, there's no way you can get any sort of value back and it can come out of nowhere, really. So you think Dalvin Cook, he's only just, I think he's just, just over 25, isn't he? Yeah, so he's got yeah. a few productive years left. And he's the focal part of that offense. If you're in contention, I think you you have to hold him. And then but it's very hard to buy as well. That probably, you know, sort of mumbling a bit there. It probably doesn't make much sense. It's, it's a really hard one because a lot of people don't want to pay for him for the reason you've just said, Kevin. That's the, the injury concerns. So... But in terms of where he is, where I'd rank him, I think he's, if not top five, he's on the cusp of that. I mean, who who really have we got ahead of him? You'd probably say Christian McCaffrey, Kamara, uh, Barkley, possibly. Yeah. I don't think I personally have anyone else above him. You know, you've got some great guys that have come out this year, uh, coming this year, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That's it. Uh, but it's really hard because you can sometimes get a little bit obsessed with youth I think based on his performances this year you know you'd have to be in serious denial not to suggest he's he's not in the top five or at least on the cusp of it so if you're a contender I think you've got to take the gamble that you're holding on to him and that value might drop off a cliff and if you're trying to acquire him I'd certainly overpay for him but whether or not an owner's let him go for a reasonable price is another thing entirely yeah, I think that that's what the problem is because obviously McCaffrey and Barkley have both being injured, it seems to have vaulted his value even more because obviously mm. it is an active running back and with those two those two guys out, is is now being touted as one of them top running backs. Obviously Kamara's crushed it this season, but um yeah, I think that's the, the issue for me when it comes to buying him is that his his value is even being increased more by the fact that two of the arguably the best running backs have been out injured. So yeah, I think that's that's affecting his perceived value as well. What about, yeah, it's been a... Sorry, Kev. No, no, you probably had something more interesting to say than me. <laughs> I was only going to say that the only thing we didn't cover really is what Kev said. I was, I don't think he's played a full. He's not played a full season, has he? Oh, he's always missed no. time. I personally don't. It sounds silly, maybe, but I don't care about stuff like that because. I don't think you can, I think you're playing safe, really, if you're thinking, oh, I won't take Dalvin Cook because he might get injured, he might miss a few weeks. Yeah. I think the upside means that you, you take that shot on him and you, you you know that you're taking the risk of him missing two or three games during the season. 
And I think when he is on the field, he's absolutely worth that risk, even if you do have to do without him for a few weeks of the season. So with Kev saying that about the, obviously his injuries concerning him and whether he'd buy him that, is, is injury something that you look at in terms of whether you'd be concerned and whether it'd give you second thought and whether or not you'd take Delby Cook or whether you'd buy him? No, I think I'm like you, Rich. When it comes to, to running backs, they're, they're all really at risk of injury because it's yeah. such a, a grueling position. Obviously, yeah. Barkley, uh, McCaffrey, it happen, Chubb, it happens. It, it's just a tough position. So I don't think you can really say, oh, I, I won't touch Cook because he has injuries. I think any running back's got potential of, of having an injury. So, yeah, when it comes to that, that doesn't, it, it, it factors slightly, obviously, because he has he's previously had like you say, he's not had a full season yet. So it is like a, a consistent thing. But overall, it's not it's not my main, the main factor. I pick, I'd rather pick up somebody with, with the talent. Obviously, Cook's got immense talent. He's, that's what that's what makes him such a, a good running back, which makes him a, a top five running back in Dynasty. So Yeah, I think he's had his buyers. They've had the buy, haven't they? The buy yeah, they have. Yeah. Yeah. And they've got a really good schedule as well for the rest of the season. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think me me on the injuries, I, I tend to I tend to go lower risk in uh, redraft um, in the first couple of rounds. I mean, this year I took Saquon, who was super safe, and um, <laughs> it, he's on IR. So yeah, I think cool. it just it just it just adds to your points that every a running back it's a position that's going to get his fair, fair share of injuries, and you just would really want a guy that when he's in the game, he's delivering and. Mm-hmm. For me, he's without a doubt a top three running back in the league at the moment. Yeah. Okay, so next up we've got the Colts at the Lions. The Colts came off the bye and won on the road. Um, so it was a predict- predictable game where we all started Marvin Jones and his two touchdowns. Uh, this was aided by an injury to Kenny Galladay. Um, it was a game where Matt Patricia abandoned the run. It led to a wide receiver, Jamal Agnew, um, being the leading rusher on the Lions, which was very frustrating for uh, all the Swift owners. I know we've got a few on this pod. Um, but speaking of frustrating running backs, the guy I wanted to pick out from this one was uh, no other than Jonathan Taylor, who didn't even get a mention on the, the good rookies on the uh, last game. Um, I mean, he did show signs of improvements, um, sort of over over the last couple of games, but um, he's really struggled for me. Um, what, what are your thoughts, Matt? Yeah, it, it was a really frustrating performance, weren't it? Obviously, he only had 11 carries for 22 yards and two receptions for nine yards. So it was just nothing that we, we've really seen. It, it, it seemed to be, like you say, getting that that improvement in the, in the workload over the last couple of games. And then it just fell off, but it did come out actually the other day that he did have a bit of an ankle injury, so maybe we can put it down to to that being the problem, but we've mentioned it before on the podcast, he's, he's just not looked how we all thought he was going to look. It's, his vision just, he doesn't seem to have that vision. There's a clip going around on Twitter at the minute where there's a massive hole to the left and he just, yeah, straight, he just runs straight into his O-line. It's just yeah. like, it's so frustrating because the, the thing is, he looked so good in college. It, like His vision looked incredible when he was at like Robocop. Yeah, it's just like, I just don't get what's happened. But yeah, I'm, I'm starting to worry a little bit. The fact just hearing that injury has put me at rest a little bit, but it's still it's still a concern. He's currently the RB19, but he's had that opportunity. We were all worried at the start of the year with Marlon Mack being there. Were he going to get the opportunity? 
obviously Matt got injured, but now it's Jordan Wilkins and, and Naheem Hines have eaten into his workload that we were hoping we were going to have. So, yeah, what what are you guys thinking? Are you, are you starting to worry? And, and how do you how do you value him in your dynasty rankings? Are you, are you now dropping him after after what's happened, or do you think he can maybe improve going into the second half of the uh, of the season? I was I was joking earlier when I didn't name him. Obviously, <laughs> uh, you better have been. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am worried, but not. It's not all out panic for me. Yeah. The only thing that annoys me though is that you see on you see it with some of the other rookies, guys like J.K. Dobbins who have looked really good. So rightly so, people on social media complain mm. that he's not getting enough of opportunity. Where it, when he looks like he's earned it, every time he gets the ball, he looks electric. Whereas I don't think you can blame Frank Reich for not giving him the opportunity because yeah. he just hasn't looked very good. So you can understand why um, they're bringing Jordan Wilkins and Naeem Hines. Uh, this season, I think he's... Uh, what what was his ADP just before the season? Was it the third round? And then yeah, that, looked, that, yeah. that looks like a total smash. At that, especially after, obviously, when Marlon Mack went out, so he looked like a total smash. Yeah. At this point now, that's looking like a disaster. Even if he improves, you know, he's, he'd have to improve tenfold to pay back on that cost. And I, I don't see it getting too. I think he'll improve. I don't see it getting too much better this year in redraft. But I'm still not worried about him long term. I'm, I've, I've barely moved him at all in my my rankings. I still think he's very comfortably in the top ten long term. Uh, I'll, I'll reserve judgment until we see him next year after a full off season and and a full training camp as well. But yeah, you you can't say you're not worried, but it's not panic stations for me yet. Yeah, I I, I must admit I'm worried, and I think anybody that says they're not remotely worried is a liar. Um, I just think that like obviously, Naimines and Jordan Wilkins are not elite talents, and imagine what it'd look like if Malcolm Mack was here. Um, me personally, on on Jonathan Taylor, I'm super high on him. Before the season, he was my running back three in dynasty, which is crazy it looks like now but he's still in my top six I think we mentioned it a little bit on uh, one of the other games that um, sort of the the poor play from the rookies uh, or or the lack of play from the rookies it's led to guys like Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook actually solidifying their value and um, depending on how you rank them versus the rookies it's actually lifted them up a bit Um, I do think with Taylor it's risky this season Um, he's struggling um, but but most rookies are struggling, and that's probably because of the shortened off season, no training camp, etc. Um, I mean, the guys that are that are really standing out and you can use confidently, I think, could be James Robinson and and Antonio Gibson. But there's still still concerns with them as well. So it's kind of what we what we thought might happen with the shortened off season that rookies are are actually struggling. Um, I think. As a contender with an older roster, um, he's not an ideal target for you. Um, you can't be confident in him helping you now. Um, but I think if you're a rebuilding team or you're young enough to compete next year, I still think he's a good target. Um, like I said, he could probably move someone like a James Robinson for him. Um, and I don't think there'll be too much difference in their value. Um, I think if you're a rebuilding team, though, you shouldn't be selling Taylor as a long-term, I believe, in his talent. Next up, we have the Raiders, who won on the road in tough conditions, 16-6 to at Cleveland. Um, not a ton of offensive standout performances in this one. What caught your eye, Rich? 
So, first of all, I have been robbed in these games again. Because I, I get the garbage games every week. So, who picked these games? You did the show sheet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't remember giving myself this game. But, yeah, so there wasn't much, to be honest. Uh, and So, this probably isn't even that much of a major talking point. But it's just a little bit of a curious one that Kareem Hunt, hasn't looked as good since Nick Chubb's been out. Um, he was in a, a prime smash spot, really, against the Raiders, who were one of the worst defences in the league against running backs. And really, he's not hit the heights we probably expected with Nick Chubb missing, but at, at least on Sunday, I don't think it was all down to him. Um, he still led the team in snaps. He, had, he played on 42 offensive snaps, but really that was that was more of the issue, is that the Browns only played 49 offensive snaps and I think the Raiders had a clear game plan to squeeze the life out of the Browns, uh, and they did it. They they ran 72 snaps to 49 for Cleveland, and they also had five drives with over 10 plays. So obviously that really affected how much Kareem Hunt could do. He certainly got the opportunities from the, the limited chances that the Browns had. He had 66 yards on 14 rushing attempts, but more interestingly, he wasn't really involved in the passing game. He had two receptions for seven yards, I'm really clutching at straws here on this game, to be honest. But <laughs> do, do we think that we're going to see Nick Chubb back after the bye? And if not, are we still confident in Hunt um, going forward? I mean, he is returning okay numbers, but he's certainly not smashed like we expected to expected him to. So if Chubb doesn't come back, do we think that Kareem Hunt's still you know, a, a, smash, a smash at the running back position going forward? Or was there anything in this game that concerned you? Or do you think it just came down to game script in this one? I think it were, it were pretty tough conditions um, in Cleveland, which you'd think would mm. fade the running back. So it's it's pretty disappointing that he, he scored less than 10 fantasy points. Um, it, it, I guess the other thing that's quite interesting regarding Chubb and um, Hunt is that I've seen a lot of people ranking Hunt above Chubb in Dynasty. And... I know that wasn't the case at the start of the season. Um, mm. I guess for me, it's it, it was perceived that having Hunt would be uh, a safer play because he, he's game script proof. Yeah. Um, but but just this season, I'm I'm kind of scratching my head a bit with some of these performances. Um, Chuck, Chuck will be back this season, no doubt. Um, week 15 and 16, the Browns have got the. Um, two road trips to New York, the Giants and the Jets. And I think those games, they they seem to be Nick Chubb games to me. So yeah. maybe yeah. if you're not sold on on Hunt Long term, it could be a good good time to to get out uh, and maybe pivot to a, a Nick Chubb. Um, what, what's your thoughts on this backfield, Matt? Yeah, I think I have seen that Chubb's expected to be back week 10 after the bye week. I know he's still on IR at the minute, but... I think he can be activated, can't he, after after the bye week. So it's looking like there's a chance he could be back week 10. But as you say, it's been strange how, how Hunt looked better while it, Chubb was there. And now, yeah. obviously, with Chubb out, he's, he's, he's struggled. He's obviously got more rushing attempts, but he's not really had a, an increase in any any other aspect of his game. It's not like his receptions have has become like the full-time workhorse and, and got a load of receptions either. He's still getting, like you say, two or three receptions a game which is pretty much what he had at the start of the season. I think he had four in week one, but since then it's always been two or three receptions. So I do think he's probably at his peak value at the minute, uh, obviously while Chubb's out. Um, but yeah, when it 
when you're thinking about next season, I mean, is there a chance that they, they would trade him? Do they really need to, they need to hold on to Hunt and Chubb? I don't, I don't think they, they will. I think when they work in tandem, when mm. you take away the fantasy aspects, obviously it's frustrating for us as fantasy players, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, combined, it's, it's probably one of the best backfields in the NFL. Why would they move on from it? Yeah, so I mean, I think we want we want them to be yeah. split up, but I just don't see why why the Browns would be forced to do it. I wish they would, but I just can't see it happening, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's why I would probably look to move on from Hunt because, as we say, is 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 had that boost in his value now with Chubb being out and um, in getting that workload. But as you say, when they're together, it's more of a a good real life backfield rather than it is a, a fan. It just becomes a, a headache really when it comes to fantasy. So if you can move Hunt on for for another running back that, that maybe has a, a bigger share of the pie, should we say, in, in another offence. And, and yeah, I think I'd be, I'd be moving on from Hunt. Yeah, and I think his value might have taken a little bit of a hit over the last few weeks. I mean, it, it was still productive. It, mm. Sunday was the only game where you've, you know, he's really disappointed. But I think you could easily sell that as it being, you know, it was a lot to do with the game script, which it was. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think yeah, that's yeah. a lie. It was a lot to do with the game script as well that mm. didn't help. But yeah, I... I'd probably be trying to move him as well. I, I love him, but I'd probably try and move him if I could, just because, like, from the real-life situation, I don't see them being split up anytime soon. Yeah, um, Nick Chubb, his, his contract's up at the end of next season. So, um, let's let's say, for example, Nick Chubb does leave him free agency end of next season. Kareem Hunt will be 27. So, yeah. it's... Yeah, he's at that age, isn't he? Well, yeah. and, and another thing with... With Chubb earlier this season, um, in the games that he played, I think Hunt was getting by um, with an insane touchdown rate. Like yeah. he had, yeah. well, I'm just looking now, he had five touchdowns in the first four games. Um, mm-hmm. He wasn't playing a ton of snaps, but it was making the most of them, being efficient. And he's it, kind of strange. He's got he's, since he's got the volume, he's kind of lost that effectiveness. Um, yeah. we, we know he can shoulder the workload from his time in uh, Kansas, but. Um, I just I just think long term it's going to be a real struggle there because he's he's got a three year contract on it and Chubb's not going anywhere anytime soon. So we're going to the next game. We've got the Titans at the Bengals. The number one overall pick Joe Burrow defeated the five and one Titans, uh, who now lose two weeks on the bounce. Um, I've got to give some credit to Joe Burrow. He once again looked very good. Um, he has got. An exciting young wide receiver corn. They really stepped up and helped him on the day. But it's actually a wide receiver on the other side that caught my eye and not A.J. Brown. Um, but Corey Davis, um, he had a really solid game. Uh, eight catches, 128 yards and a touchdown. And he's quietly having a quality season. Um, he did miss some time on the COVID list, uh, two games. But he's actually the wide receiver 16 on the season in fantasy points per game. Um, and in the last three games where both him and A.J. Brown have played. A.J. Brown's got 48.6 fantasy points, and Corey Davis has got 59.4 fantasy points. Um, so with Davis in the final year, his rookie deal, um, Gossa declined his fifth-year option. Do you think there's um, do you think there's a chance he's traded before the trade deadline, which is in about 12 minutes as we're recording? <laughs> um, or do you think he'll end up leaving as a, a free agency at the end of the season? And uh, what would you be looking to do in Dynasty? And bearing in mind, it looks like he could be a potential Devontae Parker, fifth-year breakout type guy. 
well in his fourth year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as I say, the trade deadline as we're recording now is pretty much been and gone, so it doesn't look like he's going to be traded, which I'm quite surprised about, because as you say, obviously he's, he's looking like being a free agent at the end of the season, so I'm not sure why they haven't cashed in on him after he's made such a hot start to the season, but maybe they just want to ride him for the rest of the season. Obviously he's looked good, he's, as you say, he's been heavily involved, he had 20 targets over the last two games, and that's with AJ Browning, as you said, so He's getting that that volume, which he's never really had like consistently in previous years. Um, but yeah, coming into the season, I was actually quite I was quite intrigued by him because his value had just completely evaporated, hadn't it, at the start of this season? And you could basically get him for next to nothing. But he has always shown them flashes that he, he can he can live up to that uh, first round uh, capital that he was uh, drafted in. So yeah, just. I think in Dynasty, I'm, I'm, I'm probably holding him if I'm a contender, purely for the for the reasons we've said it. He's getting that volume that we, we weren't really that sure he was going to get this season, but he's getting plenty of volume. And uh, yeah, I think when it when it comes to trying to look ahead and thinking about um, towards the end of the season, it, it's always a risk, isn't it, with players like this? You, you don't know what situation they're going to fall into. They could could end up on like we mentioned earlier if he goes to the ravens it's like is it it's just yeah what 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 does it become then his value has gone back down to to nothing again so yeah when it comes to players like that i always uh i'm always a bit more cautious about um what what to do with them and i end up just holding them basically and then they lose the value and that's it they just rot on the <laughs> bench so <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah i usually wait a bit too long and but yeah that that's my uh, my view on it. I think he. Um, I think people joked about it before the season about him potentially doing a Devonte Parker and breaking <laughs> yeah. out late. But I mean, he was one of the most. The, the fact that he hadn't broken out yet was one of the most like baffling, baffling prospects coming out in the last five or six years that seemed to be maybe busts a little bit harsh, but he certainly didn't live up to expectation when you take into account his athletic profile and things like that. But again, what what are you really going to get for him now? I I think if you if you are a contender, you do have to hold him. Um, and I don't know. I think just you have to think about the contracting dynasty as well. With him being a free agent this year, you just don't like you said. You don't know where he's going to end up. So if you don't own him, then I, I don't think I'd go for him because I just don't. I think yeah, he's, he's a decent depth option and he's, he is having a great year. But I don't think he's going to necessarily be a guy that's going to win you your league for you. So. Is he worth paying the price from it? I don't think he is. So I, I know we joke about it, Matt, like that you sort of have, you might have to hold him too long, but I don't think you've got much choice. I don't think you're going to get value back on him. And from my perspective, like I don't have many Corey Davis shares, even though he's been impressive. He's not a guy that I'm actively going out and buying, and it's the, it's the contract that puts me off because you just don't know where he's going to be in six months' time. Yeah, I've, you've both made some great points. Uh, the only Last bit I'd add on is he, he has actually been a top 30 wide receiver before. So yeah. um, probably not flashing as much as you'd expect with a top five draft pick profile. But um, he did have a good uh, sophomore season in the NFL. Um, only other bit I'd add on top of that is Corey Davis. He's probably someone that you can look for as a as an add-in to a trade <laughs> if you're looking to acquire him, I think. Yeah. If, if you're going out with the plan to... You wake up and think, you know what? I'm going to trade for Corey Davis today. You've probably got um, some issues, so um, I, I think getting him as a as a throw-in's a, a good idea. But actually, actively acquiring him, um, it's 
kind of the wrong person to go for, in my opinion. It's, it's still fairly young, though. I think it's 25. 25, so it's, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, not yeah. As, it's not as if we're talking about someone that's like 27, 28. He's still got plenty of years left in him, especially being a wide receiver. So Yeah, but in Dynasty, um, you, you like most Dynasty players seem to consider a player dead as soon as they hit 25, well, yeah. so that's it. Yeah, me included <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna say <laughs> i'm the worst worst person for it <laughs> i don't know if i dreamt this up but i i seem to think cory davis will go to the packers i don't know if i dreamt this in the off season but um we'll have to see anyway we'll have to see if i'm uh, good at predicting the future okay next game we've got the patriots at the bills it was a nail biter actually um they hung on late to win in the fourth quarter, thanks to a Cam Newton fumble. Um, pretty spirited performance from Cam Newton with the weapons or lack of on the roster. Um, obviously, that fumble with just under a minute remaining. Um, for me, it's put the Patriots out of contention for the division now. Um, I see this being two else race between the Bills and the, the Dolphins. Um, Zach Moss had his breakout with two touchdowns. It's great if you had traded for him uh, just before this game like I did. Uh, but I believe it's a, a different Buffalo player that you want to discuss. Yeah, I'm going to discuss Josh Allen. I'd say he's, he's just coming off one of his worst performances that he's had all season. He only completed 11 passes for 154 yards and he threw an interception as well. But as always, he saved his day with with his rushing ability and he got that rushing touchdown. So that stopped it being a complete disaster. But yeah, he made a, a really hot start to the season, didn't he? Then the first four games, he looked like a world beater. But then these last four, he, he seems to have struggled again. Now, he has improved on last season from what from what I've seen. He's definitely improved, but he still does just show them them little, the issues that we had with him last season, like with the accuracy, you just, you just see him overthrowing players or, or underthrowing. It's just, it just becomes annoying when you're trying to, you're, you're trying to cling on to the fact that you want him to be a, a top, level uh, quarterback in, in fantasy but he just keeps throwing in them really like annoying traits so yeah he's, he's currently the, the quarterback for as I say he's, he's struggled but he always he always gives that safe floor with his his rushing ability obviously we know how, how valuable rushing quarterbacks can be we mentioned it earlier the guys like Lamar Kyler Murray all them top guys are, are all quarterbacks that, that have that ability when it comes to to running the ball as well so uh, yeah, I just I just wondered what what are your guys' feelings on uh, Allen now? As I say, he made that that hot start, and everybody were, were quoting him being in that top tier of quarterbacks. But but yeah, do do you think he's in in that top tier, or is it is it starting to drop now? Yeah, I'd start I'd start him as a top seven QB uh, just based on his rushing ability. That um, he's giving you such an amazing floor with the rushing ability plus. The addition of Stefan Diggs has been, uh, it's done wonders for him. And, and actually, uh, it's helped Diggs as well because Diggs is on pace for a career year. He's the wide receiver five at the moment. Um, Josh Allen, I see him as similar to like um, a white Cam Newton uh, in the sense that sometimes it's it's not always, <laughs> it's, not always uh, it's not always the prettiest, but um, for fantasy, all, all you want are the, the fantasy points as such. So, um at the start of the year, I, I had him in one in one league, and I struggled mightily to move him um, at his value. I think he was taken as a QB seven or eight in that league, and nobody wanted to know. Um, now I'm guessing 
you might have a similar issue now trading him just because he's fading a little bit um, that you get the, the the value that he probably deserves. What about your guys' thoughts? Yeah, the, I, I definitely had him in that top tier at the start of the season because really we don't care about what a guy looks like as a real-life mm. quarterback. We care about his fantasy production. Like you said, his, his rushing ability makes him a fantastic option, even if he has a poor game. He always seems to. He always has a really high floor because of that rushing ability. The only nagging thing at the back of my mind, and this is like probably overthinking it, is it, do the Bills see him as like the long-term answer mm. at quarterback? Because we can look at it and say, oh, he's got a great, great rushing floor and all this, but the Bills don't care about that. Yeah. So that's the only thing. I that's what I was concerned about at the start of the season, and it, I'm a little bit concerned now because, like you say, I've seen a big drop off, but. Yeah, I'm not in total panic mode yet. I think he's still in that. He's probably at the bottom of that top tier. The guys that we mentioned earlier, I don't think you can justifiably put him above any of those guys. You know, Mahomes, Jackson, Murray, Dak, uh, Wilson, and I'm missing someone, and Watson. Mm-hmm. I think he's just below that, possibly. <clears throat> but Kev's right. It's It was really hard to sell him, and the peak value to get him was probably a few to sell him was probably a few weeks ago after about week yeah. three or four of the season because they had a really soft schedule to start the year and I think people forget that as well. But argument in his favour is that I think I was reading last week that is he's struggling with a, an injury in his his non throwing shoulder as well yeah. and that might be affecting him a little bit. So the jury's out for me a little bit rest of this year. I, I, I mean I I think he is great from a fantasy perspective. I think he's a little bit of a wait and see on how the rest of the season goes because he's had you know a great first quarter of the season. He's dipped quite a bit second quarter. So let's see where he goes from here. He's really going to have to prove himself because they've got a tough schedule down the stretch as well. Um, all I'd want to add is my victory lap on Stefan Diggs. Yes. <laughs> Some people in this chat not called Matt offered me like a fourth round pick for him <laughs> in the off season. So. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> on a serious note, Diggs has been fantastic and he's been fantastic for Allen as well. Um, Diggs is one of the best route runners in the league, in my opinion. And he's proven that, you know, going to Buffalo, where people thought, you know, we'd see a big dip from him. So for him, he's looked fantastic. For Allen, Jury's out a little bit. I think we wait and see how he performs the rest of the season. For now, I've got him just at the bottom of that top tier of seven quarterbacks. Yeah, I think if, if you are worrying about him, I think you could maybe wait these next couple of games. He's got the Seahawks and then he's got the Cardinals. So yeah. they're two games where he could really bounce back. And if you are worried, then that's probably time to strike and, and offload him on, on the back of them, hopefully, two two good games. I think it shows as well that in, in sort of the pre-season, we, we focus a lot on schedules. And I remember people talking about Josh Allen's schedule that the first half of the season was easy and the second half was terrible. Mm. But actually looking at it, it's not it's not panned out that way. He's got the, the Chargers, the 49ers, uh, the Broncos, all after the bye um, in week 11. And they're all really positive matchups. So I just think one to watch out for in future is looking at a schedule before a season and thinking, I'm not going to draft this player or I'm going to trade this player based on it's the schedule. Yeah. On the schedule. You, just, you look at the talent, you look at the system. The Bills have put a lot into that offensive line, which I think is an underrated part of players' fantasy value, having a, a solid and consistent offensive line. And I think they're a pretty well-run franchise. So I think 
adding that in sort of levels it out with sort of Josh Holland's playing ability that he's, he is a bit reckless at times. So I think that does insulate his value a little bit that he's on a, an actual good team as well. I didn't really think about that with the schedule. I'm like the frozen caveman, aren't I? That's my bottom of all the leagues. So <laughs> I looked at it, I was like, oh, he's got the 49ers and the, the Broncos. <laughs> it's not even that bad. That's the other thing, just just to, to touch back on that, with, with on about his, like, his job security with them, obviously, having them issues. The, the fact that they are such a, a good team, they're never really going to be in that position to get one of the top top quarterbacks, are they? So, yeah. so it's like, then do they then dip into free agency? Do you ever really see a a top-level quarterback, maybe Dak Prescott next season. But Ooh. Really, you, it's not I don't think the Cowboys will dare let him go now. No. He's, he's earned more money sat on the bench than he did when he was playing. Yeah. I mean, he's fantastic, but I think it's shown how important he is to them, you'd think, anyway. I think it was a great financial move by Dak to get injured. He's a very <laughs> smart guy. Yeah. Very smart guy. Um, so next up we've got the uh, Chargers losing on the road to the Broncos in a nail-biter um, a predictable collapse from the Chargers, something in their DNA um, obviously October's over and we're now in November so um, what stood out for you in this one Rich? So it was the, really I was interested in seeing how uh, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay played out in the Denver backfield and it's safe to say that Melvin Gordon looked pathetic, to be totally honest. Um, it was completely outplayed by Philip Lindsay. The box score probably doesn't tell the full story. Um, when you just look at that on paper, his performance looks okay because he had six catches. So from a PPR perspective, you know, it's okay. I think he got 10 or 11 points, but you dig a bit deeper. You know, he only turned those six catches into 21 yards. Um, we've been saying it, I think we said it on the podcast in the off-season, or I think I I said it on that. This is a victory lap, Kev, sorry. But <laughs> I said in the off-season that Lindsay's a better runner than Gordon. Um, to be honest, though, joking aside, that isn't that that wasn't that big a reach. I think it was obvious, and it's coming to fruition now with Lindsay healthy as well. Gordon's still just just leading the, the backfield. He out-touched Lindsay in rushing attempts 8-6, to six, but Lindsay clearly outplayed him. Gordon had eight carries for 26 yards and looked terrible. Lindsay had six rushing attempts for 83 yards, and he obviously broke off the big the big touchdown run. So obviously that did boost his numbers. But you look at the the final figures, you know, Lindsay averaging 9.17 yards after contact per attempt compared to 2.63 yards after contact for Gordon. Um, despite that, Gordon's still outworking Lindsay, but I think that might be to do with the fact that Lindsay was hurt and then he was obviously coming back off a concussion on Sunday. But as it stood on Sunday, Gordon outsnapped Lindsay 36 to 29, had more rushing attempts and more targets but I think there's a danger that potentially flips around over the next few weeks if Lindsay continues to outplay him this badly. I think Lindsay's never been involved really in the passing game. Um, I think he only had one target on Sunday. So that keeps my faint hopes alive in terms of where I hold Gordon in redraft leagues, where he'll still be an asset from a PPR perspective. Would you guys think that there's a chance that Lindsay takes over from Gordon as the lead rusher and because I think he could potentially do it in the next few weeks if he's 100% healthy. Yeah, I think he will do. I think Lindsay will will start taking the the, the bulk of the, the rushing attempts. I think when Gordon came in, I did think Gordon was going to be more the goal line back and the receiving back, and then Lindsay were going to get everything in between. Um, so, yeah, I do think that it, it could start swinging to, to Lindsay getting more of the, the rushing attempts. Uh, just to touch back on on this week, 
he, uh, like you say, bust off that long run before that. He had three attempts for one yard, but then it was that just long run seemed to, yeah. to kickstart his game. And then it, it bust off another, obviously the touchdown, and then two more rushes for double digit yardage. So it, 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 it is still a bit of a concern, I think, with Lindsay, because he's, he's, he's a small guy, isn't he, as so well? Small, the injuries yeah, is that's always, the problem. Yeah. yeah, it's always a bit of a concern. Um, but yeah, that's just how I view it. I think Lindsay will get the more of the rushing and then Gordon, probably the, the goal line back, being the bigger guy and, and receiving. Yeah, I think for me, this is Melvin Gordon's backfield still. Yeah. Um, I, I just think the way that the, the Broncos want to run it as a team, I think... Mm-hmm. The more set up to use uh, Gordon as the sort of the main rusher um, and goal line back, and, and use use Lindsay as a change of pace because we've seen how explosive he can be. I think yeah. it works better as a team to have Lindsay dipping in and out um, based on on sort of his size and the explosiveness. I, I think from a, a real life perspective, you want to sort of use Gordon um, as a volume rusher. And use Lindsay as the uh, the home run here as such because you got to think as well with Gordon, he's he's the sort of running back that if you give him eight to ten touches, he's not really gonna maximise. He's not gonna do a lot for you. He's he's, he's not very explosive anymore. Um, he, he's a sort of guy that needs fifteen to twenty touches. It could be similar to another Wisconsin running back, Jonathan Taylor, where you need to really give him a massive workload to to get the most out of him. And I think. If it does become a 50-50 split backfield, you just it, if it does become a 50-50, I would expect Lindsay to outscore him for, for fantasy points just based on the fact that he's more explosive. But I don't see it that way. I think this is still Gordon's backfield. They've got a, a pretty decent schedule the rest of the season um, as it stands. And I think potentially he's a buy-low for a, a contending team. Um, in, in your dynasty league he's currently the running back 24 someone could look at that and think oh he's been trash uh, yeah. but bear in mind he's had his bye um, he missed the game against the um, the Patriots I'd, I'd be looking to go after him as a, a contender and I'd be throwing that at running back 24 as the as the, the selling point as such I didn't realize yeah so like I said I think the thing is he's, he's going to certainly be involved from a PPR uh, you know, PPR perspective, I don't think he'll lose any of the past game work at all. So that sort of holds his value a little bit. It doesn't really matter whether he looks atrocious, to be fair. You know, all we really care about is the fantasy points. So if he's getting six, seven catches, you know, great. He didn't actually score on. You think, I think he got 10, 11 points, like I said. But you think if he if he scores a touchdown at the end of the game, you know, he's up to nearly 20 points. And that's looking atrocious but really we're talking fantasy that's all we care about so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that point I get that point thank you I'll go um, I'll just log off now then <laughs> um, <laughs> so on, on to our next game now we've got the uh, the 49ers at the Seahawks uh, Seattle win this one uh, pretty comfortable in the end it was a 37-27 victory but more comfortable than that um, really bad injury day for the 49ers uh, Jimmy G re-injured his ankle. Tevin Coleman re-injured his knee. Kittle's going to be missing time as well. Um, really, really sorry day to be a 49ers fan or a 49ers fantasy owner. Um, I could have highlighted DJ Dallas in this section. I thought he was a really nice fantasy player on the day. Uh, but I'm going to highlight DK Metcalf. Um, what a beast. 
Um, best game of his career so far. 12 catches for 161 yards and two touchdowns, hitting a 40-burger. Um, it's looking like he will be the main man. Um, I know we go back and forth on him and Lockett, but I do think he's become the alpha this season. Um, I think it was pretty clear to see that Lockett would fall back to earth after his 50 points last week, uh, but um, I didn't expect it to completely flip uh, pretty much 100%. So... I've actually seen plenty of talk on Twitter that Metcalf is considered the wide receiver one in Dynasty. Just curious to hear what your thoughts are on that statement and if if you if you do think you could realistically obtain him in Dynasty right now. I definitely think he's the wide receiver one. Um, Oof. I think the Yeah, I think the there's a great argument in terms of, you know, DK Metcalf or CD Lamb, and I, I do, I, you know, I, I can accept the points that people make that CD Lamb is the wide receiver one, but for me, it is Metcalf. I think he's an absolute beast, and he's going to be tied to Russell Wilson for the, you know, the length of his rookie contract. Really, at the minute, we're talking about each week you're alternating between Metcalf and Lockett, but that that's not going to go on forever. And I think you're right. I think he's he is the alpha in that offense. For, for now, you might see we he might go up and down a little bit, but. I mean, the hype with with Metcalf is out of control to the point where, in a good way, you know, the, I think it was the week before, week seven, when he, he chased back the interception. He actually had a terrible day in the box score, but no yeah. one cared just because of that <laughs> one play. Like, I, I, yeah, I've only got I've only got one share of Metcalf, and it's uh, a league I, I probably overpaid for him, and I really didn't care. Uh, so that was a few weeks. So I am pursuing him aggressively wherever I can, but. I woke up and read social media after that game and I thought he'd had like a monster game the way everyone was talking <laughs> and then he'd barely done anything. But he's just a beast and, you know, athletically and he's tied to Russell Wilson. I, I don't think you can make the argument. Potentially C.D. Lamb, but for me, I think he's clearly the wide receiver one. Um, what about you, Matt? Yeah, for me, I'm not quite there. But what? Yeah. That's probably why I'm uh, trash at fantasy football because <laughs> I just I'm, I'm not one of those guys that can just flick a switch and, and go from like the talks of Devontae Adams and, and players like that and just say yeah, that DK is the top guy. I think I don't know what it is. I don't know what it, it takes for a, a player to become that um, wide receiver one for me because obviously he's currently is he the wide receiver three at the minute. Yeah. I think. Mm. So it's not like it. We're, we're making a bold statement about somebody that could potentially. Be elite is is currently actually being elite is 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 um one of the top guys in fantasy football at the wide receiver position, so so yeah, I've I've not got him at the wide receiver one yet, but I can fully understand why people that have got him there, and he probably is is definitely in my top five now. I think for sure, mm. but yeah, I'm still not not quite there, but everything's laid out for him to be that guy. Is on a like you say, he's on a great great offense. Um, he's shown out how good he can be. He's shown them flashes of huge games, but he's also shown he's got quite a good floor this season. So, so yeah, I, I can see why people have got him at the top of the tree. You know how ridiculous fantasy football is, though, that eight weeks ago, if you just said to someone, you know, if you were a DK Metcalf owner and you were offered Michael Thomas, then you'd be thinking, oh, and you're a contender, <laughs> you'd think, you know, you'd take you'd probably, you'd, you know, you'd be very tempted to take that. But now if, if you offered Michael Thomas for DK Metcalf, I don't know about you two, no. but I'd expect to be laughed out the room if I made that offer now, which is, it sounds ridiculous and it probably is, 
but it shows you how quickly like the perception can change that you know Thomas's value has just dropped through the floor in the space of eight weeks and Metcalf obviously people are already high on him but at this point it's just astronomical yeah I think this just shows that if you if you do want to be like a top guy playing fantasy football it, it could it could favor to, to sell on the guys that are the top of the position at the end of the season. So as you say, like Michael Thomas, if you are confident a guy like DK Metcalf or whoever it is going into a season, why not cash in? I mean, what are the chances that Thomas or McCaffrey were going to be the RB1 or wide receiver one again? Yeah. The year? Do you know what I'm we saying? Talk, we it's talked like, about that um, yeah, so in the off-season. If you do have one of them young players that you, you think it's going to have a splash, so like Ridley this season, it could, it could always be worth moving on. As hard as it is, moving on from them, and top performers that year and, yeah, and think, getting a two-for-one right. deal or whatever, do you know? I think you're right. I think yeah. selling players at the max value is a little bit of a cheat code in Dynasty, yeah. to be honest. Obviously, it's tough you've got to have a lot because, of guts. You've got to have the guts to do it. Yeah, because obviously the, the, totally the top guy, aren't they, at the time you're, you're thinking yeah. about it. So it is tough and it is, it is a very risky strategy, but I think if you are looking to get that max value, I think that's the kind of move you've got to make, I think. Yeah. Max Value, is is that your name, Matt? Max Value? <laughs> oh, don't start. Don't start with a Max joke. <laughs> All I was going to... At least I don't have to see my address and I'll be locked down. <laughs> Very true. Um, only thing I'd add to that is um, set selling high on guys. Imagine if you got to the end of last season and you sold Christian McCaffrey, Lamar Jackson, and Michael Thomas. You've made an absolute fortune. Oh, yeah. 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 Right, next up, we've got the Saints at the Bears. Uh, an overtime win for the Saints. Um, I was actually quite, um, pretty impressed by uh, the Bears wide receiver trio of Robinson, Mooney and Miller. I thought it looked really good. And another guy that quite, quite shockingly is a running back 14 on the season is David Montgomery. He's, he looks pretty decent as well. Um, but I believe it's, uh, <laughs> it's an obvious contender for the Saints that stood out to you, Matt. Yeah, that's it going on from what we've just been talking about, about the top guys. Uh, Alvin Kamara, obviously, he's, he's been absolutely incredible this season. Um, he actually had one of his quietest fantasy days um, this week, yeah. which is probably a testament to how good he's been because he had 160 yards from scrimmage. So and that, that was one of his quieter days. So it just shows how good he's been. He's comfortably the RB1. Yeah, I think he's got like a 30-point advantage over Cook, who's the RB2 in uh, PPR leagues. But it seems to be that that receiving game that's that's really elevated him to to that elite level. He's he's had fifty five receptions, which is the second most out of all players in the NFL. That's including wide receivers. Um, he's second, just two behind uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, <clears throat> but the concern is obviously we've spoke about Thomas. He's he's looking like he could be back this week. Maybe I would say we've been saying that for a couple of weeks, and he then have that hamstring issue. Uh, but yeah, that'd be my concern. Does does his um, does his usage keep uh, keep being as, as as good as it has been this season? Um, but yeah, as regards to the the running back position, I do find it really hard to split now the the top three. Should we say of Kamara, McCaffrey, and Barkley? I really can't. I'm struggling to separate them as they've all got their their uh, pros and cons. So, what are your guys' feelings on on those top three guys? How do you how do you have them ranked? And is Kamara now the the RB one for you? Uh, I don't. I think I've just got him below McCaffrey, but I think he's the. I've got him above Saquon Barkley now. Yeah. Um. But 
in terms of we, we've just talked about it so not not to flog a dead horse exactly mm-hmm. but um he's probably at his max value now yeah. you probably have to have some guts to sell him but mm-hmm. if you're not it, it's what i said before and what you know kev explained perfectly as well about you know selling players at the peak value or if you just sell those guys in the off season um, if you've got a guy like Alvin Kamara and somehow you're not, you know, the rest of your team's not great and you, you don't think you're going to contend this year, is now the right time to sell him? Will he ever be as valuable again as he is now with Michael Thomas out as well? I think, don't get me wrong, Kamara's fantastic and I think he'll still, he'll be a, a top five running back the next few years potentially. Yeah. But it, it, I think if, if you really think about, you know, you know your team's not going to contend this year, you're not happy with the rest of the roster. Now's a perfect time to sell him while he's he's basically getting all, so much work because Michael Thomas is out. Mm. I actually sold Kamara um, last week in well, a league we're all in together, so you know, yeah. so I don't know why I'm telling you. But I sold. <laughs> this is my yeah, so I, I, it's a Devil League we're in where the team was, is dreadful. I don't know why. I was really confident at the start of the year, and it's terrible even with Kamara. And I just felt now was the best time to sell him. And I was pretty poor at quarterback as well. This is a super flex league. So I sold Kamara and Matt Ryan for Dak Prescott and Chris Godwin. And I was really happy with that. I think, in a, and we mentioned it a little bit last week, if if you've got a team that you don't feel is in contention, I think running back's the last spot that you should be looking to yeah. fill and you should try and fill that with rookie running backs. Definitely. Um, so I, I sold Kamara and that, like you said, Matt, that really hurt, but it mm. made sense. But yeah. obviously if you're a contender, unless you've suffered a serious head injury, you're not letting <laughs> Kamara go. So I've gone completely off topic, but he is a top five <laughs> running back. But my only question I'd ask you, Kev, since you obviously brought it up in the last game we talked about, is this his max value right now? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually think that his max value is in season because if you wait till the end of the season that owner's got to then wait till next season to actually um, see the rewards of his, his trade. I think it's now is the sort of time you want to be selling. If if you're somehow not in contention with Kamara, um, <laughs> then you, you need to play fantasy football. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you, right, can... <laughs> you want to try oh, and win oh, a game in the league. Sorry, I didn't realise. I forgot that you said that you had him, Rich. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think, I think like if... It, Genuinely, if you've if you've got Kamara on your roster and for whatever reason you're you're two and six, you've had a bit of bad luck and you've got injuries elsewhere, you should you should be definitely selling him at his uh, at his max value as such. I, I I think the for me with Kamara he's the running back two for me in Dynasty. Um pass game usage is incredible, but this is all about Michael Thomas and Drew Brees is retiring potentially next season. I don't think Jameis Winston comes across as a check down, running back, pass-friendly type QB. Um, just to give a bit of context on Kamara's numbers, last year we saw the generational year from Christian McCaffrey, where he had 142 targets and 116 receptions. Kamara's current pace it exceeds that 151 <laughs> targets My and God. 126 receptions. It's not sustainable, is it? So, <laughs> I mean, that is a ridiculous amount. I think Rich made a great point last week about um, pick values being highest in the off season, but mm. the flip is that players' values are highest in season, um, where you can sell him for people that are desperate to make a push at a ship. Um, I think if you can always if you can get younger at running back and improve your overall roster, it's well worth doing because I don't think it's sound logic to buy high 
on a running back, uh, mm. just based on the fact that we, we came across it earlier, the, the injuries, uh, the fact that they need a lot of things to go their way for maximum um, production in the sense of the O-line, the system, um, having a QB that actually is healthy, thinking about Zeke in Look Dallas. Zeke. Zeke's like yeah. the dynasty RB8, you know, in my yeah. rankings. I just, I just think you never really want to be buying high and running yeah. back. So, um, yeah, I'd be trying to sell Kamara at this point. Sweet. So, um, next up, we've got Sunday Night Football. It was the Eagles smashing the Cowboys 24 to 9. Uh, I booked the day off work to watch this game. Uh, I wish I didn't. It was pretty scruffy from the Eagles. Who interestingly are now three and zero on prime time this season. Who stood out for you in this one? I think first of all we should talk about the fact that the Eagles have played in prime time three times, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> it's embarrassing. But, <laughs> but I'm going to take. I'm not taking this as a victory lap, but I'm going to say shame on the people that slept on Jalen Rager, and I, yeah. I don't mean the people that that dropped him in redraft when he was injured. That, that's understandable. But some of the stuff I've seen on on Twitter over the last few weeks is absolutely disgraceful. I mean, I, I love, you know, making fun of the Eagles, especially with Kev being an Eagles fan, but I was seeing people criticizing the Eagles for taking Rager over guys like Justin Jefferson. When the poor guys played two games Mm -hmm. and got hurt, he's just fantastic. Obviously he played the first two weeks of the season. I think he saw four targets, both games and he had five catches for nearly a hundred yards. Um, and on Sunday, I think he played over 80% of the snaps in when they were playing in three re- receiver sets. Um, obviously, he had three receptions, 16 yards and a touchdown, which, you know, doesn't jump off the off the stat sheet, really. But I think that's a guy coming off an injury, a rookie coming off a, a six-week injury. Um, and I think Philadelphia might go to the air more now uh, going forward. And I expect Rager to be more involved. Um, I think my question to you guys really isn't just about that game. I think we all expected Rager to be as good as advertised, but just really where you were on Rager over the last few weeks and whether or not you wavered or, or did you find find that sort of ridiculous as well, that people were fading the guy who'd played, not even played two full games in the NFL? No. Yeah. I, Go on, Kev. Are you sure? Yeah, you, you take it. Sure, Eagles. You I mean, yeah, it. that is a fair point. Um <laughs> For me, he was my dynasty wide receiver one in terms of the rookies um, coming out this this offseason. I had him above CD Lamb. Um, It's pretty hilarious some of the things you see. Like um, we had a tongue in cheek comment in one of our chats earlier this offseason when uh, Josh Jacobs had that big week one and Miles Sanders didn't play and. Although yeah. saying that Jacobs is a, a better running back than Sanders, and um, it was pretty funny, but I just think to say someone's better than a different player when they haven't played is um, quite comical. It's kind of like people that are guaranteeing that two are, uh, that Herbert and Burrow are better than mm. two were before he's even played. I mean, looking at this week, maybe, uh, <laughs> but um, but it's that sort of thing. I never wavered on Rager. I think he's. He's going to really come into his own down the second half of the season. I think it's actually nice that um, it's not just going to be him that's um, that's uh, sort of the main man in in the offense. It's Travis Fulgham as well, who's uh, really really standing out. So there's not that that pressure as such on yeah. him to perform. I think that's going to be really good for his confidence and his fantasy performance down the road. 
Goddard coming back as well. Goddard came yeah. back earlier than than expected. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I, w- I was also hiding coming into joining uh, entering the NFL. It was my wide receiver two in the rookies. So like Kev, I was I was quite bullish on uh, on Rager. Uh, I know Rich, you know that I did actually trade him away in one league. Did you? Who did you, who did you trade him? To... <laughs> and you gave me a first round pick. As a thank you, I did. Yeah, I got Sweet a second enough. one back. I got a second one back, but yeah, I, I was in a. I'm going for a win now, and I so I did. I did make that move. I think that's fine though. That's that's different. To be yeah. fair, but it weren't that I was out on his talent. Mm. It was nothing like that. It was more situational rather than yeah. um, than talent. But yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan of his. As we said, it this week wasn't really a game that we could be victory lapping on because it wasn't anything amazing. But it was mm. good to see him in back playing, and as you say, he's, he's on an offense now that's. It's definitely going to be passing the ball a lot. So, yeah, I think the, the signs are, are all pointing in the right direction for him. Is They've got quite a nice schedule as well, I think, uh, in the next few games after the bye week. So, yeah, I think it's too early, as you say, to, to be saying the things that we've seen on Twitter about him and, and how other guys are better than, than than what he is when we haven't oh, really criticizing seen criticising the Eagles for taking him. Wow. Yeah, when we've it's not even really seen him play, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. The same as like with Mims as well. I know that's yeah. a guy that me and Kev quite liked and... Um, He's obviously just coming back from his injury and people were slating him and we've not seen him play. So yeah. I think with all these rookies, you've at least got to give them this season, if if not more with, like we say, with the, the limited pre-season that they've had. So yeah, I think that was a bit, it was a bit strange seeing people um, slating him before we'd actually seen any anything from him. I think people are giving up on JJ Sega Whiteside too fast, actually. <laughs> I dropped him in the league last week. <laughs> Unreal. Um, uh, only thing I'd add to on, on Rager is the the fact that it's his bye week this week and you can usually get a bit of a discount on players on a bye week. So um, if you didn't get him last week, then shame on you because we were telling you to do that. Um, but um, I, I think he, you can go after him this week as well and you should be able to get him at a decent price based the on where chance. we all think mm-hmm. that he could end up yeah. um, in the future. Okay, so our last game now, we've we've saved the best to last. Um, it was, <laughs> not really. Um, it's the Bucks at the Giants. A close-fought win for the Bucks on Monday Night Football, 25-23. Mm-hmm. Um, really close, actually. The Giants failing to convert a two-point conversion and onside kick at the end of the game. Um, nothing major stood out to me in this one. Um, the Giants wide receiver card, a pretty strong night, but it's Probably the least impressive of those wide receivers that I'm going to discuss now, which is Darius Slayton. Um, he's the wide receiver 28 on the season, but doesn't feel like it. Um, he's had two boom games where he had at least 20 points. Uh, the other six, he's had less than 12 in total. Um, I actually think he's the wide receiver two on the Giants behind Sterling Shepard. Um, Shepard's averaging just under 15 fantasy points per game. He did miss a bit of time early on in the season. Um, I guess I'm just really intrigued to see what you guys think on Slayton, if you believe him to be a viable wide receiver free in Dynasty. And if he's someone that you'd want with the concerns about who his QB will be next season and the offence as a whole. So we'll come to the <laughs> resident Giants fan, Matt, first. Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously as a Giants fan, I think... With with Slayton is more of a guy that I, I love him from a real life standpoint, but when it comes to fantasy, as you say, he's, he's just one of them boom bust uh, kind of players, and and that is a concern when it comes to fantasy. 
might be somebody you can you can go into your your matchup and think, oh yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a good game out of Slayton this week. It's it's impossible to predict uh, when it comes to Slayton when he's gonna have them boom weeks. Um, I know with a, a couple of leagues that we're in, I've always been on the side of taking Shepherd over Sterling. Uh, Shepherd over Sterling. Shepherd over Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> Shepherd over Slayton. I've always preferred him, especially in PPR leagues. We we know that. Uh, he gets that that that, that volume where, where Slayton doesn't. So yeah, I think when it comes to Dynasty, I, it's just hard. I, mean, I don't know what you guys like, but when it comes to, to to a team that you support, I don't really want my players because it's bad enough my team losing every week. No matter about players, <laughs> then costing my fantasy team as well. I just, I'm just better off without them. But yeah, I think as far as being a, a wide receiver three for you in your Dynasty team, I can. I can understand it. He, he could probably get him at. Would you get him for a second round? I'd, I'd say I think probably, to, yeah, yeah. For a second. Yeah. So especially now with Shepherd back, because that's pretty. Yeah, much... that's going to push his value down a bit as well. Yeah. Yeah. So... I like Slayton, but yeah. it is is a good piece to have as depth. But mm-hmm. whether or not he ever materializes, a guy you can rely on week to week is is the problem. And it's like Kev said. I, I do think that Daniel Jones will still be the Giants' quarterback next year. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, we just really don't know, and that so that's obviously a worry as well. And from a redraft perspective, I think as long as Sterling Shepard's healthy, I think Slayton's value is is severely decreases. So he, apart from a few boom weeks that Kev mentioned, he didn't really take advantage of Sterling Shepard being out. So I've got no faith now that he will with Shepard back. So as long as Shepard's healthy, I'm not interested at all in Slayton in, in redraft. In Dynasty, is a guy that I like. If if I could get him for a second, I think I'd do that because I like his potential that he may materialise into more, but he's not a guy that I'd really look to overpay for or anything like that. Yeah, I, I, I'd like him more as a wide receiver for or a flex player than yeah. um, in my starting lineup just because of the nature of um, his scoring that he is boom-bust wide receiver. Um Final point on this, it's it's not really about the, the Giants or the Bucks, but um, just about rostering players from your own team. Do you do you find that through the leagues you play in that you tend to get a lot of homers in your leagues that take the players from the teams they support? Definitely. Yeah, I see a lot of it, whereas I'd say I'm, I'm completely opposite. It maybe depends if, if you support a team that plays well, then... You want them players, don't you? But when I'm a Giants fan, I don't want none of them. (laughs) I don't want any of our players on my team. DJ Chark, maybe that's... I mean, we talked about him a few shows ago, but outside that, uh, not really. James Robinson, possibly. But, yeah, it's it's all right for our teams because, you you know, they're mainly garbage, so... (laughs) Jake Luton? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to pick him up in loads of leagues and people already had him rostered. Like, I'm just like, what on earth? Just quickly, while we're just on the subject of Slayton, can I just touch back on we, we mentioned earlier about Mikol Hardman? How, how would you value them between each other? Would you would you swap Slayton for Hardman or vice versa? We're, as we said, they're both the, the third option. Which yeah. would you prefer out of them two? Because I think I'd prefer Slayton. I think he's more yeah, even though he's on a, a worse offense. <sighs> I mean, we could go on for another hour talking yeah. about because it's. I just I think I'm guilty of this. Similar, and it, me, it is so. interesting, and you sort of give Nicole Hardman that advantage of being on a obviously obviously a much better offense <laughs> with a a world's better quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. But there's weeks where Hardman's the fourth or fifth option at the minute. Mm. So that's what makes it difficult. Whereas Slayton, you know, is probably behind 
Sterling Shepherd, um, possibly behind Evan Engram. But I mean, uh, so the path to playing time is much clearer for Slayton. Yeah. We always talk about opportunity being more important in fantasy. So mm-hmm. at this point, I'd probably take Slayton. But obviously, things might change with Ardman this yeah. offseason. But right now, I'm, I'm taking Slayton, I think. Yeah, cool. if, if you don't need to start him, I'd take Ardman. Mm. Just because you're playing for, you're playing Future. to win. Um, mm. But I think if you're needing someone that's going to fill in a few times for you, then you have to take Slayton over Hardman because uh, Hardman and his two points aren't going to win you many weeks. <laughs> Unless you're playing Matt's listener league. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll just bench him whenever I've got a chance to play. <laughs> okay, so that brings us to the end of another episode of the Fantasy Wildcard podcast. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in and thank you both for uh, making this a fun episode. As always, uh, be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Wildcard. Have a good one. Cheers. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.